Kairos. It is so good to see you. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. I also get to be a part of Kairos, and I'm just so thrilled after two months to be able to see your faces again. Well, at least to see your eyes, you know, behind the masks. But man, it's just so good to be with you. Can we give God praise for getting together? Isn't that nice? Man, hello to you who are on the floor. Hello to you who are in the balcony. I, I tell you what, make us add a second service. Will you do that? Like, just make us do it. I, I love this. It's so exciting. We'll keep on maintaining social distance, um, and we'll keep on wearing masks. We thank you so much for doing that. I also want to say hi to our friends in Iowa City. If you could turn around if you're on the floor and say hi to our friends in Iowa City on the count of three. One, two, three. Hi, Iowa City. It's so good that we can join via simulcast. Um, yeah, man, I tell you what. I just want to stand here and soak it in for a second, but I won't because we got to get to some stuff. We are starting a brand new series this week. It is called God and Mental Health. This is a very important thing for us to be talking about because it's very prevalent in our world today. The CDC came out with a study that 70% of college and university professors across the country feel that mental health issues have become, uh, have gotten to the level of crisis on their campuses. And it was bad enough before the pandemic hit, but since the pandemic hit, the CDC also came out with a study that said that 46% of people ages 18 to 24 are dealing with some sort of COVID-related stress disorder. 46% of us. We got to be talking about these things. Jesus gives us a promise. He doesn't want us to be taken away from the life that we're called to live. He tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. There are things in this world that are trying to take life away from us. And we need to talk about these things. We need to make them known for what they are. We need to shine a light on them. Because Jesus says, I want my light to shine in your life. And I want to give you rich and satisfying and full life. So here at Kairos, what we're all about is we're about pointing you to Jesus. Who can reveal to you the life that he created for you. One that is rich and one that is satisfying. See, these things uh, that, that happen in our minds, like it's a powerful thing, isn't it? Like it's not fake. I want you to know this. If you're dealing with uh, mental health issues, if you're suffering from that, I want you to know, like first off, you're not alone. And you just heard the stats on that. 46% of people throughout the pandemic alone have been dealing with stress disorders because of COVID. But I also want you to know that there is an answer to these things. And throughout tonight, we're going to talk about some of the different ways that God reveals to us life. He reveals to us solutions. It's not always easy. Like your feelings, they're valid. They're real. But we worship a God who still promises us a rich and satisfying life. So let's talk about that tonight, right? I think that it's important when we start talking about mental health, it's important to start talking about like our purpose, right? One of the things about mental health is when it starts to become a thing that we're suffering from is it starts to assault some things about ourselves. It starts to assault our belief of personal significance. It starts to assault our entire reason for being alive. Tonight, I invite you to dare to ask the question with me, why am I here? You ever asked that question? Like, why am I here? Why do I exist? Why do I live? It says this on the next slide here in Psalm chapter 139, excuse me, Psalm chapter 138, the Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. Like, why am I here? Like, God, you did make me. You did give me plans. You did promise me this. It says this in the Bible. Like, God's plans, God's purpose cannot abandon you. God has to be there for you. It's in his DNA. That's what he does. God does have a plan for your life. God does have a purpose for your life. 
But sometimes when we're dealing with things in our mind that are real, they are real feelings, it starts to assault that. It takes an attack on the why. We start to wonder about the why in life, don't we? You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we wonder about the why, but other times we're also like a little bit distracted by the hows. You know what I mean when I say that? Like so many of us are so focused on the how of life. Like, you know, you come to college, you move out, you do whatever you're doing, and you're trying to figure out how do I get what I want? Like, how do I get a certain person? How do I get a relationship? How do I get a status? How do I get a job? How do I get a dream? But I invite us to take a step back tonight and instead ask why? Like, why am I doing those things? The how is important, but the why is even more important. On this next slide here, there's a guy, and uh, his name's Viktor Frankl. He's an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, author, and most of all, a Holocaust survivor. And I think it's appropriate that we're quoting him on a day uh, that is the Holocaust Memorial Day. We're remembering um, the tragedies uh, that happened back then. Um, he said this, uh, he wrote in a book that ended up becoming one of the 10 most influential books in US American history, according to the Library of, Con Con according to the Library of Congress. It's a book called Man's Search, uh, Man's Search for Reason. It says, a search for meaning in life is the central human motivational force. He continues on to say this. He says, those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. So often in life, we're so caught up on the how, like, how am I going to get through this next obstacle in my life? How am I going to do this? But what's the why? The why is certainly more important than the how. The why is more powerful than that. Go ahead and take a look at this on the next slide. This is from Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 18. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with, with trouble, sorrow, and shame. If we lose the why in our life, and we just go immediately, if we lose the why in our life, we have, no, we have no purpose for the how. Like this gets to the root of where we're trying to go. When was the last time that you ran into a situation where you're focused on the wow and you the how and you need, the wow and the how and the how and the why? When was the last time you're focused on the how and you need to remember the why? So a couple of months ago, I was uh, assembling uh, like a, a laundry bag that stands up. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was on our wedding registry. And so it came in, and, and so I'm putting this together, and I'm following the owner's manual, right? And it's telling me how to assemble this, and I'm putting it together. It's kind of frustrating at times, but I'm putting it together. Now, why am I putting that together? I've got the instructions, the instructions manual in front of me. I've got, I've got all the directions on how to assemble. That's telling me how to do it. But why was I doing it? I was doing it because my wife asked me to do it, and I love her. Like, my love for my wife is so much more significant and powerful than simply just knowing how to put something together. Like, are we starting to see this? Like, it is so much more important for us to have a why before we start to attack the how. Don't get me wrong, whys lead to hows. Why am I here? Actually benefits the way that we go through the hows of life. And when we find ourselves in a place like Jeremiah saying, why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. We're asking the right question. We are getting to the right place. I want you to know this. There is an answer to your why. When you cry out, why am I here? That question is not asked in vain. You're not asking that and then God says, it was an accident. No. You heard this tonight. We say it every single week. We say it on Sunday mornings here at Hope. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you. 
Of course, we don't mean that in like some sort of strange way, like you're a puppet and God just throws his heavenly strings down and controls you. No, but I absolutely do believe that God's involved in the details of your life. It says this in the book of Psalm as well. It says this, just how, how interested God is in the details. You made all these delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. You heard this continued in the Bible reading tonight. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your worksmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. It's not an accident. God is involved in these details. God shows up. He is around. He is interested. God's there. He's near. It's not an accident. And that is why we tell you, like, hey, we believe that it's no accident that you're here. I think it's important to hear that from time to time. It says this uh, on the next slide. I invite you to take a look at this next slide. verse from Ephesians chapter 4. Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted, him, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Why were you created? Like, why are you here? Absolute base answer, because God wanted you in his family. Do you notice that? It says God wanted to do this. Like before God thought of anything else, he thought of you and he wanted that. You know the difference between being wanted and needed? Like it's nice to be needed, right? But I think it's even nicer to be wanted. Remember on the playground growing up when they're picking teams, you never wanted to be the last person chosen because then you're just the person who's just needed to fill a spot. But my goodness, if you're chosen first, you're wanted. God wanted to create you. And this is so important for us to realize that we're wanted, to realize that we're invited, to realize that there is a why for why we're here. Have you ever been somewhere where it feels like there's no why that you're there? Have you ever been somewhere where you feel like there's no purpose for you being there? It's an uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? It was years ago where one of my friends in seminary was getting uh, married. My friend Matt and I, we were invited to it. And so this, uh, this wedding was taking place in a small rural town in Minnesota, and we knew that it was taking place in a barn. We're like, okay, it can't be that hard to find. The day of the wedding comes. We're running a little bit late. We have to stop by Target on the way out of town to grab a card and grab the gift card, make sure it looks nice, write, write the nice note, and we zip on out of town. By the time that we're finally getting there, like, we were really sprinting, but we get to this rural town, we see a barn, there's the wedding signs, we're like, perfect, okay, we're here, we go there, we walk inside, we drop the card inside the card basket, and we sit in the back because we are getting there, like, right before the processional starting. So we get there, we're sitting in the back, and I notice something kind of strange, I'm like, I don't recognize anyone here. I'm like, I mean, I don't know, like, this guy's entire family. His name's Zach. I'm like, I don't know Zach's entire life. Like, maybe I just don't know who's here. That's normal. That's fine. I'm supposed to be here. And then something very interesting happened. The grandparents start walking in, and grandparents are oftentimes escorted by the groom. But the person who's escorting the grandparents was not our friend Zach. And my friend Matt leans over to me and goes, is that Zach's brother? I said, I really, really have no clue, but I hope so. And I'm like watching in horror. I'm like, I'm, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to be here, right? So they continue. They walk them down. And then, sure enough, my fear became a reality 
when walking up to the groom spot is that mysterious man who was walking his grandparents down the aisle and I'm realizing I, I am not supposed to be here. I was at the wrong wedding. <laughs> Apparently there are two barns in this rural town in Minnesota. Who thought? I lean over to my friend Matt. I'm like, dude, we got to go. And we're like, yeah, yeah, let's stand up. So we start to stand up. And as we're turning around, the doors of the barn open. Here comes the wedding party. So I'm like, oh, no. So I'm sitting there and I'm like just trying to hide my face. I'm like, I hope they don't see me. Like this imposter, you know, who's in this like place and, and just, I mean, just, you know, violated everyone. I look over at my friend Matt. He's like really soaking in the moment, like waving at them as they walk by like, yeah, this is the and they say, congregation, please rise because the bride's about to walk in, the door is open, and because I'm sitting in the back and in the corner, the first person that this woman sees right before she's about to go down the aisle to marry the man of her dreams is a stranger. And I don't know what to do, and so I just look at her and I mouth out, how's it going? <laughs> I look over at Matt, he's like crying, he's like... <sighs> I, I don't belong here. And to make it even worse, like, I'm just sitting there. I all, I'm, like, I'm a broke graduate student at this time. I'm like, I put my card in that basket. So after the wedding, I go up to the cart, the basket, and, and I'm like looking through. I'm like, that's mine. And I just, I couldn't even bear to look what other people were thinking of me at that moment. I can't tell you how badly I wanted to get out. I so desperately wanted to get out at that moment because I had no purpose being there. When we lose our why, there's no point to the how. And oftentimes, mental health, it attacks the why. Because in life, sometimes we feel like we're a part of a wedding that we weren't invited to, right? You know, maybe you start to believe that the dreams that are coming true in the world only belong to other people. You can't really get a thrill out of it anymore. That thing, that group, whatever you're trying to fit into so hard, I mean, it's just exhausting to blend. And after a while, you just don't even care to show up. Maybe it comes to a point where you just don't even feel like you belong in your own body anymore. You feel so disconnected. And life is just passing you by and you're just numb. The book of Ecclesiastes chapter two, it it says this, it's very real, the Bible is. So I came to hate life because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. That's in the Bible. But this isn't God's word. The Bible is so real about the way that life feels sometimes, isn't it? Our mental health can attack our why. Make us feel like it doesn't matter. I want you to know this. If you're feeling like that tonight, the first thing that you need to know is you're not alone. Like nothing will stop God's purpose. You remember that verse out of the, of the book of Psalm where it says, you can't abandon me. Your purpose and your plans, they cannot abandon me. It's true. It also says this in Psalm chapter 139. This is a little bit before our reading for tonight. It says, you go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from your why. 
You were made because God wanted you in his family. You were made because God wanted to love you. You were made because God wanted to love through you. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. You were made, and because you were made by the creator of the universe, you know that creation wasn't done until you were created. Nothing can take you away from that purpose. Nothing can separate you from that why. You are not alone. You're loved. I think it's important that we talk about these things because not only are you not alone because God's with you, you're not also not alone because you're not the only one feeling these things. Back to that CDC study that came out about mental health. Um, this was done at the beginning of the school year and I found it extremely troubling 49% of people ages 18 to 24 in the United States are dealing with some sort of anxiety disorder. 52% of 18 to 24 year olds are dealing with a depressive disorder. 62% of young adults are dealing with one of the two. 75% of people ages 18 to 24 in the United States are dealing with some sort of adverse mental symptom. And this is the one that really hit me. 25% of 18 to 24-year-olds in the United States have seriously con considered suicide in the last 30 days. We got to talk about this. We got to get back to our why. You know, you can find article after article after article online about people trying to help others come out and talk about their mental illness. I've read, I've read articles and articles and articles in the last week about people trying to help someone explain to their family, their friends, their closest people, their significant other, their spouse, but how can I talk about what's happening inside of my mind? I believe that those articles are there is because we feel like we can't talk about it. We feel like we can't be honest about it. But I mean, look around this room. The statistics are clear. Every single one of us is vulnerable to having our mental health hurt. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to talk about that. I mean, we all have mental health in the same way that we all have physical health. And if I'm physically sick, I go see a doctor and I believe that God blesses that. And if my mental health is hurting, I believe that I should also seek out help and I believe that God blesses that. I mean, this is not, some, this is not a message tonight for me to tell you like, hey, you know, you just got to wish it away. I want you to just read your Bible, meditate on it, and then pray for five hours, and then your mental illness will be gone. When you spend time in prayer with God, what do you hear? Where, where does God send you? So many of us are spending way too much time in our own minds. And that's like where mental illness is trying to push us, right? It's trying to keep us in our own head, secluded from the rest of the world, numb from it. I mean, the world right now is telling us, like, you know what? You and your own self get to tell you who you are. I don't want to believe what my own self tells me what I am. But when you spend time in prayer, when you spend time in the word, when you spend time with God, don't be surprised when God talks back, when God gives you direction. And so when you have something that's hurting inside your mind, when you're having mental health issues, don't be surprised if God tells you either through prayer, through scripture, or through your community that you should go get counseling, that you should seek out medication. God blesses that. 
I believe that God can lead us to a place of healing through counseling and through medication. Can you, like, God put together all these different things, right? Like in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says God works in all things. God works in all things for the good of those who love him. Like God works in all things. Can you imagine like the timeline of history? How many different human brains had to have come together throughout all of history in order to realize different things that are happening inside of our bodies with tiny little cells? Even like the, the tiniest little things happening inside of our brain, they're able to discover that and realize, wait, I could come up with some sort of formula to help with that. You think God's not involved in it? It's okay to seek out those options. God can lead us to a place of healing. God can lead us to a place of rich and satisfying life. Here's where we shouldn't go. 24% of young adults ages 18 to 24 who are dealing with mental illness are turning to substance abuse. That's a thief. That steals and that kills and that destroys. And again, I remind you of John chapter 10 where Jesus says, that's not what I've come to do. On the next slide, Jesus, again, remember, he reminds us, he tells us, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. My purpose is to remind you of your why. God can totally lead us to healing through so many different things. I mean, me personally, I've seen a therapist in two different seasons of my life, and it's amazing. I think everyone should see a therapist. It brings you to a place of healing, and I absolutely believe that God can work through that. Listen, sometimes we do have to get out of our own head. We do have to stop telling ourselves, I just know exactly who I am and nobody else can tell me. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it tells us that everything was created by God. And if we want to know the purpose of anything or everything, including myself, I need to go to the creator. The creator who's involved in every single detail. The creator who can remind us what to focus on, what to forget. Some of us are, are, are focused on the wrong thing, right? Like, do you remember, like, back in science class growing up? Maybe some of you are science majors and you still do that. I don't have a microscope, but I do have a telescope. Do you remember looking through the microscope? This is the best I got. I heard somebody laugh, okay? You know, I bought this for $7.99 at Walmart. What a ripoff, right? I think I could make this at home. No, I couldn't. But do you remember when you'd look through something? In something that's microscopically small. Wait, what did I call this? <laughs> I'm just getting it. What did I call this? I call this a telescope. You'll get why I called it a telescope in a second, all right? This is a magnifying glass. Oh! You can't get anything past me. You just can't. Oh, man. Guess what the pastor did tonight? <laughs> Yeah. I cry every Wednesday night, all right? Give me a break. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I cry when I'm focused on the wrong things. Let me tell you about that. When you look through microscopes and you saw these microscopic things, and maybe sometimes you're looking through a magnifying glass, you're looking at these tiny little things to make them bigger, right? So you can just like study the details of them. And look, I get it from a scientific perspective that's important. You know, you look at the tiny little thing to make it very, very big. There are certain things in our life that have become very, very big and God's reminding us, like, it's maybe time to make that small again. Sometimes it's the hows in life. How am I going to get that job? How am I going to get that relationship? How am I going to get that status? 
How am I going to get that dream? But you look through a telescope. See where I'm going here. You look through a telescope. What do you do with a telescope? A telescope looks off into the sky and captures things that seem very, very small. And it reminds us of how very, very enormous and impactful those things are. Things that impact the orbit of our Earth, things that impact our gravity. At the center of our galaxy, there's a giant black hole looking out of the night sky, we'd have no idea it's there. As followers of Jesus, sometimes it's important that we push the microscope aside and we look into the telescope and we remember how big our God is and how much our God can work through. And the bigger that God gets in your life, the more that you'll see God's love in your life, the more that you'll see your why. Listen, here at Kairos, we want to do everything that we possibly can to make sure that you know that you're not alone, to make sure that you know that nothing can separate you from God's purpose for your life, God's love for your life. And so we are going to be taking steps on that. One of the things that we're going to be doing, as you heard about this in announcements, this is on the next slide, we're going to have a mental health group that's meeting Sundays at 6 o'clock, except for um, February 7th, because there's a really big football game that day. Um, and so that'll be at 2 o'clock. And I want to invite Kinsey... Phillips down to the front. Um, you might know Kinsey, or at least you might know Kinsey's dog, uh, because her dog's name is Zosha, and Zosha's been around Kairos for like three years. Um, and Kinsey's so gracious to Kairos. Like three years ago, our first year of Kairos, uh, Kinsey brought Zosha because Zosha just knows how to make people feel better, you know, one of those dogs. And, uh, and I just accidentally said in the middle of announcements one day, I was like, She's so good. She just sits there. I accidentally said in the middle of the announcement, I said, yeah, Zosha's actually going to join the Kairos family. She's just going to be with us all the time. And Kinsey looks at me. She's like, I thought this was a one-time thing. But Kinsey's been so amazing. Yeah, that one. Kinsey's been so amazing at saying, you know what? Let's just keep on bringing her uh, because we, we believe that God can work through all sorts of different things. Um, but Kinsey also works uh, at Iowa State with the police department at Iowa State um, as a mental health advocate. She's also getting her master's degree at Drake um, in mental health counseling and rehabilitation counseling. So she knows a thing or two about a thing or two about mental health. Um, and she's going to be helping us lead this group. And Kinsey, I just want to ask you, what are some of the things that you're seeing on a college campus these days regarding mental health? Well, Danny, we, maybe, is this on? There we go. Well, we see about one in five college students that's here at Iowa State and it's across the U.S. that have a mental illness and that's in any given year. So that's anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, any kind of mental illness. Um, and something that's really important to point out is that only one third of students actually seek help for that. So the other two thirds, they might be nervous about the stigma around mental health, or maybe they don't have resources available to them, um, or maybe it's something with insurance or money. There's a lot of different reasons, um, but there's two thirds of people, which is the really important part, that aren't actually seeking help. So we'll start with the why. Why is it important for a student who's dealing with mental health struggles uh, to seek help? Yeah, absolutely. Mental illness can really impact your success, especially as an Iowa State student. We want you to feel supported. We want to make sure that you have resources around you. Um, and we don't want you to be alone. That's the number one thing. As somebody who's lived with an anxiety disorder, I know it can feel really isolating. And so we want to make sure that the people that are at Iowa State feel connected and that they know that they're not alone. 
And so now going to the how, because the why leads us to the how, uh, what are the things that a student can do um, to seek out help for mental illness? Definitely. So the number one thing, I think, is looking at the resources around campus. When I was an Iowa State student, I had no idea how many resources are there and how many people truly cared about not only my physical health, but my mental health, too. So maybe that's student counseling or student wellness, student health. There's also student accessibility services. There's so many different places where you can get connected and you can make sure you're, you're not feeling alone like we talked about before. Also, you can always reach out to me at the Iowa State Police Department, uh, especially if you need some dog time, which I think she left us. Um, but if you need some dog therapy, feel free to reach out. Um, and yeah, we can connect you with providers like counselors or psychiatrists, whoever you might need. Um, and also group counseling, that's a really great thing to get involved in at Iowa State. Let's give God praise for Kinsey and the work she does. And for Zosha, she's back there. <laughs> Zosha right now is giving, is giving kindness to Matthew, our worship leader. That's so cute. You can't see, but I promise it's very, very cute. Oh, they're licking faces now. No, I'm just kidding. No, they're not. Uh, I do encourage you to join this group. Uh, if you or you know someone who could benefit from it, please. Uh, it's an online group. It's Zoom. So students in Iowa City, you can be a part of this too. Again, it's Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock for the next four weeks, except for the second week. It'll be at 2 o'clock that week. Please, please, please be a part of that. It is so important that we get together and realize, like, you are not a problem. Like, you, yourself, you are not a problem. Like, we all have problems, and those problems do not have to be carried by ourselves. You are not the problem. You've got problems and you weren't meant to carry them alone. First and foremost, God wants to come in your life and God wants to help carry those with you, alongside of you, in your prayer life as you dive into the word. God also wants to help carry those things through your friends, through your community. Maybe God wants to help carry those things through counseling, through medication. Let's talk about these things. Let's have honest conversations because 25% of students considering suicide seriously in the last 30 days is way too much. Even if it was 0.000001%, we would need to have this conversation. You're not meant to do it alone. So I invite you, take a look at the things in your life that you've been holding a magnifying glass up to. Like the things that you think like, that's too much of a threat for me. What are other people going to think about me if I talk about this? What's it going to do to my social standing? What's it going to do to my, my closest relationships? If they are your closest relationships in life, those people will walk with you through it. And of course, God will walk with you through it. The Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 8. It tells us that there is nothing that can separate you from God's love. The author says, I'm convinced that nothing, no one can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Remember your purpose, you remember your why, you remember why you were created, you were made for love. You were made to be loved by God. You were made to exude God's love to the world around you. You were made for love. Nothing can separate you from that purpose. See, God's love for you, it is this raging fire. God's love for you is so in love with you that God's love for you also becomes vulnerable to anger because when you love someone, when you love something so much, you become vulnerable to a rage. And God forbid anything try to stand between you and him. 
God will rage against the things that threaten you. And those things that we're looking at with a magnifying glass and they seem huge. They matter to God, they matter to God. Because remember, God shows up in the details. He knows the tiniest little intricacies of our bodies. They matter to God, but they don't threaten God. He will move them out of the way. Again, continues in Romans chapter eight and verse 39, no power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing would stop God from getting close to you. Nothing would stop God from keeping his love from you, from keeping his reason for you, his purpose, his why. Ever had love meet you face to face? Show up surprisingly in a doorway? When you so desperately needed it? It was 10 years ago this month, I was a freshman in college. I was having a horrible week. In the span of six days, I had two friends from high school die. Six days. I didn't know how to handle it. I was 18 years old. Who knows how to handle that? So I just like tried to numb myself from it. Tried to ignore it. The first funeral came. I should have been there, but I didn't go. The second funeral came. I should have been there, but I didn't, I didn't go. So people who had a big part in my life. I was threatened. I was scared. It was a Monday night. I was sitting in a meeting. I was in the back of a classroom and the emotion finally started to hit me. So I put my head down, I'm like kind of doing one of these and trying not to show anybody that I'm beginning to cry. And as the weight of all of it starts to come on me, I do what any, I think, 18-year-old would want to do in that moment. I get my flip phone out and I text my mom. Like, I just hope she responds soon. Sitting in the back of the classroom and I could see the door and there's just this tiny little crack in the door. And through the crack of the door, as soon as I sent that text, I hear this ding in the hallway. And I'm sitting in the one place in the classroom where I can see out the crack of the door. And in the hallway, there's my mom taking out her phone, reading a text from me. Now I went to college two and a half hours away from where my parents live. It was middle of winter. It's probably snow on the ground because as we know, that's what happens this time of year. You've seen the weather outside lately. Nothing, nothing was gonna stop my mom from coming to me. Not a two and a half hour drive, not snow on the roads. Nothing was gonna stop her from coming to me and showing me that I'm loved and I'm cared for. And let me tell you this, my mom is an amazing mom. My mom loves me with incredible love. 
But as great as she is, she's still not perfect. I mean, she's amazing. She is amazing. I will emphasize that over and over again because she'll probably watch this. She's amazing. But if my earthly mother can love me that well, how much more perfectly can my heavenly parent love me? The one who would cross the universe to be close to you. COVID can't get in the way of him. All of our threats don't threaten him. It says this as it continues to describe God's love in scripture. This is in Song of Solomon, chapter eight. For love is as strong as death. Its jealousy is as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. This love rages for you. Nothing compares to this love. This love is enduring. This love outlasts death. This love is not threatened. And this love comes close. Let me close by telling you about a passage from John chapter one. This is such a famous verse in the Bible. Uh, maybe you've heard it over and over again, but you've always wondered what it really means. And it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. Now the word as we're gonna find out in scripture does indeed mean Jesus. The word is talking about Jesus. But it specifically uses word here to describe that. In the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. And the word for word in Greek is logos. Everyone say logos. The word is logos. And logos does indeed mean word. It also means divine command. And finally, it means reason. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was this word. In the beginning was this divine command. In the beginning was a reason to exist. So now if we continue with that passage in John chapter one, it tells us this. It says, in the beginning, the word. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. In the beginning, the reason already existed. The reason, Jesus, the word was with God. And the reason, Jesus was God. And God created everything through this reason, this Jesus. And nothing was created except through this Jesus, this reason. And the Bible is going to continue to tell us in 1 John chapter 4 that God is love. Jesus is love. So now if you look at that, it says, In the beginning, love was the reason. And the reason was Jesus. And Jesus already existed. And then in John chapter 1 verse 14, it tells us, In the word, the reason, love, Jesus became human and made his home among us. Nothing can separate you from the reason for your existence. And God will rage against anything that dares to stand in the way. You are not doing this alone. God is with you. Look around you. This room is with you. If you're watching with this online, know there are people with you. The reason, the love has come to you. Amen. Let's stand and sing.